It really is an honor to be with you all here today. And um, I bring uh, greetings from my wife, Renee, uh, and my children, and our church that's in Tbilisi, Georgia. Um, they, it's just a privilege to be here with you. That is Georgia, hashtag the country, not the state. Um, but I think we've figured that out by now because we've heard several people mention Georgia. And it's, I won't talk a lot about Georgia today, honestly. I'm going to talk a lot about Ukraine and what's going on there. But Georgia is a, a country that's in a strategic place there, south of Russia, east of Turkey, north of Iran and Armenia, and it's very close to, to Ukraine and all that's going on there. But I thought a lot about what I was going to share today, and actually I changed my mind on some certain things. And I think I'll just share a little bit more of my story and share about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, it was 30 years ago um, this year when I first went to Ukraine. Um, and this year I turned 50. So how old was I when I went to Ukraine? Good. I came up with the same number. You know, I, I forgot algebra decades ago, but I can still add and subtract a little bit. So I was 20 years old when I first went to Ukraine. And what can a 20-year-old do and bring to the mission field? Really nothing, you know. But God, but God, you know, he can do amazingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. And whoever is yielded to him, whoever is teachable, to, teachable whoever is holding on to Christ, God will use them to accomplish great and mighty things. And I, I, I know that there's a lot of people who struggle because I struggle, because we're all human, we're all flesh. We struggle with insecurities, we struggle with feelings that we don't know enough, that, we, that, that it's too late in life to get started. And if you struggle with those things, you know, you think God can't use you for some reason. We only have to turn the pages, just a few pages in the Bible, to see how God takes fearful people, people who have failed, and he uses them for his glory. So God wants to use you. And you've heard that throughout this conference. You've heard about how God wants to be glorified in your life and how he is. Well, in 1992, when I went... Um, I, I was invited by my pastor, George Markey, to go to Ukraine. Uh, he left with his wife and eight children uh, to start a church in Kiev. And I took, decided, well, I'll just take a year off of university and go over and help them. Uh, one year turned into quite a few more years than that. But, um, you know, that church in Kiev was planted, and nine other churches around the country sprang up from that uh, initial church. And today there's over 20 Calvary chapels that are in Ukraine, and they're amazing bodies of believers, and especially with all that they're doing today, which I'll talk a little bit more about as we get going. Um, but my pastor first invited me to go with him to Ukraine. When he did that, I, I really had difficulty in deciding have any of you had a hard time in trying to discern God's will? Yeah? Okay, that's probably everybody in this room. And I was really excited about the possibility of going, um, especially since I was dating his daughter. But <laughs> I had to pray, Lord, is it, 
you that's calling me there or something else. And uh, I wanted to be in God's will. And I was so concerned about it that it took me several weeks over the summer of praying and seeking counsel to come to the conclusion that I was to go. And I just wanted to mention this. I think as a, not only as a young believer, but even as an older believer, I think there's a tendency to get over, overly worried about whether or not what we are doing is God's will. I've heard some people who would even pray about whether they're to turn right or left as they are sitting at a stoplight, and then not go because they haven't heard yet whether they should go right or left. And I'm not saying that we're not to seek the Lord or we're not to seek godly counsel, but I think our understanding of God develops, our trust in Him grows as we begin to see that God is big enough And he's able to invade our lives at any point in time and redirect our steps, even if we are somehow going in the wrong direction. Uh, Just looking quickly here at uh, Acts chapter 16, you'll remember this story. It's on the second missionary journey when Paul and Silas went through Derbe and Lystra. They met up with Timothy. They went on down through Phrygia in the region of Galatia in verse 6. It says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. You know, I think that's interesting. Paul had excellent intentions. The Holy Spirit, though, forbade him. Paul didn't pout and stay miserable in Mysia because he missed God's will or he was stopped by God. Rather, he kept going. They, they passed on down to Troas, and it was there that he received the vision. He received the call, the Macedonian call, saying, come over and help us. For us, too, we need to not stay miserable in Mysia. There are going to be deserts in our life. There's going to be frustrations. And there's going to be even moments when it seems that the Holy Spirit has shut down what what appeared to be a great opportunity. We have to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep doing good in the land where we are and expect God to work and to direct. More often than not, I really think that we stumble into God's will. His word is a lamp unto our feet, that's true, but it doesn't mean that the road's not going to be rough. We we often don't see, and usually don't see, what lies up ahead. We, We slip and we fall, we bark our shins against the rocks of this life and the things that we're going through, but he has adopted us into his family. He's the one that's redeemed us, and he's faithful to lead us and to direct us and guide us. He's the one that's going to connect all the dots. I've been talking with some people throughout this conference and listening to the messages and just hearing many things that were the same thing. You know, God is the one that is going to connect these dots in our life. We may see and think that this doesn't make sense. Why am I going in this direction? God can work all things together for good to those that love him and those that are called to his good purpose. You've probably heard the illustration of a tapestry. 
You know, I've never been to England. I haven't been to the castles of Germany or anything like that. I've been in Central Asia and yeah, Georgia probably has some tapestries there. I don't know. I haven't seen any, but I guess there's these beautiful tapestries hanging on walls in these castles and and they they say if you go and you you turn it over and you look on the black on the back side, you, you you see something that is completely opposite of what's on the front. The front is this beautiful portrait or picture landscape. On the back, the lines go every direction. There's knots. There's miscoloring, mismatching, and that's how often it is with God's will in our life. You know, we we see we see the backside. We see. All the knots and the lines and the misdirections and the, and the different colors. We don't see the great picture. But God is orchestrating something beautiful from your life. God is orchestrating a great work through you and in you. And I think it's important for us to remember that God's work and his will is not always neat and clean. His direction is not always as clear as I am walking through it. But God is faithful to lead us and even redirect us. Thirty years ago, when I was in Kiev, um, I, ha- I saw a picture in my mind, and it was so vivid at the time that I drew it out in my journal. It was a, it was a set of thick metal rods that were placed on top of each other and were radiating out in a, a circle. And they were all pointing in different directions, and they were firm in that direction. They weren't going anywhere else. But all at once, these strong rods started lifting up from their ends and coming together at the top and making something uh, that was joined together. And so it is with the will of God in our lives. There's many directions that we may take in our life, directions that seem polar opposite to where we should be going. You know, normally you get a resume, you try and get a job that's going to build on the next job, that's going to lead to another position, that's going to just work everything together according to your will, according to what's nice and clean in your mind. But God's will often is not like that. So many times there's a direction here, a direction there, and we don't see how it ends up. Sometimes we don't even see how they can intersect, uh, but God can take all these things for his glory. After serving uh, on the mission field in Ukraine for 14 years, um, my family, uh, we moved to, to Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia, where we did the same thing that we did in Ukraine. And after seven years of raising up national leaders, we began planning our departure And what was a plan to be a gradual transition over the next six months was radically changed. Renee, my wife, was pregnant with our son Isaiah at the time. And uh, we went to the doctor, had an ultrasound, because she was having pain in her leg and received word that she had a blood clot in her leg. And the doctor said that I'm not going to deliver the baby here in Kyrgyzstan. It's too high risk. And so what was to be a six-month transition in the church, uh, within two weeks, we had sold everything, packed our bags, and came back to the United States for the birth of our son. Now, missionaries in the U.S. are, are the most miserable of creatures. You know, if you've seen missionaries who are stuck here for very long, it's like we're fish out of water. 
It's kind of an icky feeling. You know, it doesn't feel right at all. Because no one really understands how you feel, and no one can understand what you've experienced. I know a lot of missionaries that had to leave the field during COVID, and just the hard struggles that they had in being here, in feeling that they never felt normal while they were back. Well, it was during those nine months when we were in America that um, not only did Renee have a healthy delivery, our, our son was born, but um, I was able to work on a biography about my father-in-law and see that come out. And, and, but still, we did not want to be in the United States. That was not where the Lord had called us to be. We didn't feel that that was the normal life for us. So what was next? Again, I battled wanting to know God's will. Um, I was fretting. I was unsure. I, I didn't want to make a mistake. You know, at 20 years old, I was going by myself. I could do what I wanted to do, and that was, if there were problems or consequences, it was just me who suffered the consequences. But this, you know, several years late, 14 years later, I had a wife. I had children. Um, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't want to make a mistake. And so I prayed, and, and I know that our church in Ukraine had been sending teams down to Azerbaijan. And we had been serving in a Muslim country, so I prayed, and I thought, well, I'll go take a trip to Azerbaijan. We, we'd been praying about that. It seemed like an open door. I went there. I met with missionaries. I met with local pastors. But it was not to be. And I decided to, to tack on an extra three days to my trip just to go and see Georgia. I had met some Georgians before. I'd heard about the country. So I thought, oh, I'll just kind of go and see what this country is like. And when I got there and I spoke with pastors and missionaries, I saw the multitude of languages that were spoken, the, the nations that were represented there. There are 16 unreached people groups within this tiny nation. Uh, even when I came back to the States, I struggled with knowing if this was God's will or not. And, and over the years, uh, maybe you have people like this in your life. Um, I've had three guys that I call uh, and pray with, three older guys, when I need uh, prayer for and advice regarding decisions. And one of these guys called me after my trip, and I, and I shared with him about my uncertainty of what God's will was. And he said, and I remember to this day, he said, Jed, it really doesn't matter where you go. He says, wherever you are, I know that you are going to seek to be used by God and to bring glory to him wherever you go. And with those words, there was a sense of freedom that flooded my heart. You know, God's will is so much bigger than what we think it is. God's plan and purpose for our life is so much grander and magnificent. We, we tend to compartmentalize it. We, we try to make it so small and so sure. And yet God is weaving this tapestry together that one day we will see is magnificent. And so in 2014, we moved to Georgia. We went with the vision of planning a local church and also in seeing a Bible training institution get started. Last year, uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe uh, just moved. The one that had been in Hungary had moved to, jo to Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia. And we just finished our first year of uh, classes yesterday. We had our graduation there. So why do I share all of this? Well, in each of these distant fields, 
God used relationships that were created for the furtherance of his will. What do I mean? Well, when we left Ukraine, there were teams of Ukrainians that then came with us to Kyrgyzstan to help us in getting the church started there. When we moved to Georgia, there were Ukrainians and Kyrgyz who came to Georgia and helped us there. I've had the fortune of seeing God glorified through the unity of the body of Christ. But then, you know, we'll skip forward. On, on February 24th of this year, we heard the news just like you did of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. And having lived there and having three, three of Renee's brothers still there within the country uh, and, and the churches and the friends that we had developed over the years, our hearts were pierced. Our hearts were, were just saddened by the brutality of what was taking place there. We were filled with emotion. But at the same time, we felt handicapped. We felt like we couldn't, we couldn't do anything. You know, I'm, I'm stuck here in Georgia. What can I do? Um, so we prayed, tears streaming down our faces and just with crushed hearts thinking about what the Ukrainians were going through. And as the Ukrainians became, began pouring over the borders, uh, Renee's siblings also were able to flee and go into neighboring countries. David Markey, who many of you know because he's supported by this church, was in Siberia. He and his family had to leave because of the difficulties of, of living there. They had to give up a life of nine years in the space of just a few days to leave the country. Renee and my son and Renee's mother, Pam Markey, they flew to Hungary to assist with the family that was really going through shock. They were refugees there in a real sense. And teams from our church in Tbilisi then flew to, Jort, to, to Hungary to serve refugees that were coming over the border. What was amazing to see were the Calvaries all across Europe that were coming together and communicating and praying for one another and sending out information about refugees that could come to their churches. And it was an amazing time. We all began communicating in online chats that were, were made specifically to share information about refugees and how to place them and where they could go. And then a former police friend of mine from the States, he put me into two of these uh, chat groups um, that were mostly mili former military and State Department people. And all of a sudden, someone from this group put me into like 10 other groups. And next thing you know, 18, 20 hours a day, I was busy evacuating Ukrainians from my computer in, in Georgia. And it was an amazing thing to see. I, I remember helping one Ukrainian lady who had just recently given birth. Two, two, she had a two-week-old son, and she had given birth by cesarean. But she couldn't get out of the country. The trains were full. We found a bus for her. She was on the bus. But after 35 hours, the bus still had not made it to the border. She could not feed the baby because she did not have water. Um, and, and so we were able to find a car that would, and a missionary that was in Moldova that could take her to Moldova for safety. Um, there, were, there were fears that that baby wasn't going to live, and yet God provided in a wonderful way. The Lord made a way. There's lots of stories 
of, of those who, who made it out of harm's way. And not all quite as emotional as that. Like the one time I was contacted by a woman who had 13 cats, uh, and she wanted me to evacuate them out of Ukraine. And I actually managed to find someone who took her and her cats out of Ukraine. But then uh, a few days later, she called me, and she said that she remembered she had two other cats that she had left in her apartment, and would I go get them for her? And Renee didn't know the whole background to this story. She had been in Hungary and had just gotten back to, uh, to Georgia. And so I'm on the phone, and my wife hears me say, no, I don't think we can help them. And she looks at me, she says, tell her, tell her you can help them. I said, no, you know, I don't think we have anyone in the area that can help them. You, you get on the phone and you find someone that can help that lady. I just waved her down, and I, after I hung up the phone, I said, Renee, she was talking about her cats. And, and then she understood. So, um, but the real heroes of what's taking place there now are the Ukrainians. It's been amazing to see their spirit. It's been amazing to see their, their drive and, and their morale through this whole time. Those who are bringing people out of hot spots. And I know one guy who had his van shot out from underneath of him. And yet we were able to give him another van. And the very next day, he was out taking more people, uh, bringing them to safety. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't really shared this before, so... It's um, just been amazing to see the churches opening their doors to the refugees, um, but also here in the States to see the love and support for people from this church. So many of you personally who have given sacrificially, generously, to, to see uh, medicine purchased for these families, to see um, places where refugees can stay, and, and all of this. And... Um, <clears throat> As evacuations started to slow down, we, we found ourselves able to set up a supply line from Poland that began taking semi-truck loads of food and aid into our warehouse that we had in Ukraine in order for the churches to distribute it from there. The Lord was able to use lots of these relationships that we had made along the way to make this happen. And he's... He started bringing these separate lines, like I talked about, that were radiating out, bringing them together to, to make something that was wonderful. I'll give you an example. Uh, for about three years, I was teaching English uh, in Georgia to some business ladies from our community. And um, most of these women were from a pharmacy that was right across the street from our office. These were like executives from the pharmacy and other people from there. And, you know, sometimes you do things just because, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. We're doing good things. We're doing right things. Teaching them English, trying to, to give an opportunity to, to share, to make relationships with people. Well, I can't really say that any of them ever received the Lord. There were times when we had moments of conversation with them. But once the war in Ukraine happened... And once this need of getting medicine happened, you know, all of a sudden, who do we think about? 
We think about these women in the pharmacy that we taught English to. My wife has a thyroid condition. And when we heard about people in Ukraine that could not get thyroid medication because it was no longer available in the country, immediately we, we, we contacted these ladies and we said, is there anything we can do that you can do to help us? They were able to, to get us thousands of dollars of thyroid medicine without a prescription at wholesale prices that we could then put on a truck that was sponsored by the Ukrainian embassy that took this medicine to our friends in Ukraine. These relationships that were established from seemingly, you know, how could this be God's will? No one's getting saved. You know, what's happening? But God uses these things, and he brings it all together. Um, the same story is repeated many times over. Um, Germany, Slovakia, people that found pharmacists and others that could get insulin and that could send it into Ukraine. And then when chemical attacks began to become a concern, we were able to, to get medicine there in Georgia that we flew into Poland and then drove into Ukraine that made it to the front lines where the soldiers are in case they needed that antidote. And even Becky and others here, uh, so many of you know her, she's been instrumental in helping get medicines uh, to be sent over to, to Ukraine. We've been able to get, millet, get tourniquets and, and chest seals and bandages sent in from, from Israel. One last story about how the Lord brings all these things together. Before starting in the church in Tbilisi, I was uh, filling in for a pastor there in that city in another church. And one of the members of the church was uh, from the U.S. He was the military attache at the embassy there in, in Georgia. And we became good friends. And in, when we were visiting back in the States, we drove through Washington, D.C. at one point, and we actually stayed with them in their home. And he's since retired from active service, but recently he joined maybe what you've heard this on the news. Uh, it's an organization called Spirit of America. And they're uh, taking lots of donations, buying body armor and helmets and boots and night vision goggles for the, the troops that are in Ukraine. And so um, having known him and having gotten acquainted with him, um, you know, we, he, he showed up on his first trip of carrying goods into Ukraine, he came into Poland, and was able to meet up with David Markey uh, in Poland, who, who then was able to take him and his whole convoy of trucks to the border so that they could get through with the contacts that we had at the border. So just these relationships and how the Lord brings all these things together, uh, things that seem to have no no unifying purpose in our mind. And you know, that's going to be the way it is in your life. You know, maybe you're, you're doing something now and you don't see how this is going to get you anywhere in life. If you are faithful and you are following the Lord, the Lord can intervene. The Lord can show you what his perfect will is and he can guide you in that. Our God is awesome and he is glorified when we are trusting in him. I just wanted to close with one passage, and then I'm going to show you a couple video clips. But this passage is from Luke. I was thinking about doing 1 Peter because in 1 Peter it, it talks a lot about over and over just how we are to be doing good. Uh, 
What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God and love people. We're supposed to just be doing good things. That's God's will. Here in Luke 17, starting in verse 7, it says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and after you word you will eat and drink? Does he not thank that servant because... Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what, our du- what was our duty to do. You know, that's who we are. We are servants of the Most High King. Don't forget that he is the Most High King, but we are servants. And we are called to do what he wants us to do. Maybe you're not in the place where you want to be, but you're where God wants you to be. He knows where you are, and he can redirect your steps in any moment of time. Trust in him. Lean on him. Draw close to him. Do good. Dwell in the land and be satisfied with his presence. Don't be content with your relationship with him. Keep growing closer. Keep drawing closer and near to him. And he's going to direct your steps. It's his promise. So our service in Ukraine has been one that has changed quite a bit. It's gone from evacuations to supplying first aid and food uh, to, to people to um, now 60,000 Russians have moved down from Russia to Georgia because they did not want to live in in Russia. Uh, And our church has doubled in size because they're looking for fellowship. They're looking for a place to go. Ukrainians are coming through Russia into Georgia. We have refugee families from Mariupol, the city that you've heard about that has received such devastation. And so, so many of these things... Right now, we're working a lot with refugee families. And I just wanted to show two clips. The first, I'm going to get my wife in here, so we will have another woman speaker to speak. She's going to share just a couple minutes about what's going on with, uh, with refugees, with one family in particular, and then uh, show the video next, just a couple minutes, showing uh, some pictures of what we're doing there. Hi. I'm just getting home from some doctor's appointments. I've uh, been with some ladies from Mariupol, Ukraine, who have arrived to Georgia through Russia um, just a couple weeks ago, and they needed some desperate medical attention. So, wow, I heard more of their story, and just uh, quickly, the mom is a mom with two daughters and a granddaughter. The mom with one of the daughters was in a bomb shelter for 50-some days, separated from her daughter and granddaughter, and they didn't know if they were alive the whole time. They were in apartment buildings going around to different ones, whatever wasn't ruined or bombed. Um, And 50-some days, these women, you know, just constant bombing, um, hardly any food. The mom said they ate one cracker and something else a day. They would send people out from the bomb shelter. They would take turns getting food and it would never know if they didn't come back. It meant, you know, they'd been killed. Um, the three-year-old girl is so afraid of 
any loud noises. She can't ride the subway without getting scared. But what a, yeah, what a privilege to be able to surround them, our whole church family, and just help them out. They're on their way to Spain Sunday, um, trying to find connections with them there. But yeah, please pray for this family and a lot of other families coming through that we've gotten to meet. Just to be able to help them physically means a lot to them. They've left everything behind, obviously. Any familiarity, any, um, you know, just for the children, all their toys, just their homes, everything's um, destroyed. One of the women I was with today had to leave her eight-year-old son behind because he ended up in a different city with his father when the bombing started. So there's no way to get the boy out of the country because the father and the grandparents are all um, able to be drafted so they can't leave. The mom is heartbroken. Her son is the same age as my son and I'm trying to imagine even being in her situation, but please pray for them. Yeah, pray for all the Ukrainians coming through that they would, we would be able to just love on them and be the hands and feet of Jesus as the body of Christ. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for praying. So thank you guys so much for your prayers for not just us and what's going on in Ukraine, but your heart for the world. You guys are here because you love Jesus and you want to see him proclaimed to the nations. And that's what's taking place. Um, so many needs, so many needs all around this world, but our God is faithful. Our God is able. And we just rejoice together with you that we are part of one family serving him. And um, yeah, let me just pray and then we'll close out. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your perfect will. You have a will. You are orchestrating everything together even though we don't see. Forgive us for whining and complaining and groaning and wanting something more and never satisfied. Lord, may we find ourselves satisfied in you. May we find our peace in you. May we find our resources and our refuge and everything in you. Lord, you know the plans that you have for each one of us. And I pray for those that are seeking your will, that are seeking the next step in life. Lord, you've already planned that out from before they were born. And so we just pray, Lord, open up our eyes to see. Open up our ears to hear. Direct us, Lord. Help us to do good in the place where you've called us to be right now and to be faithful to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is powerful and living and active and is sharp and sharper than a two-edged sword in our life. It pierces through our own motivations and our own insecurities and frailties and shows, Lord, what your truth is. And I pray, Father, that you would just continue to, to call out those, Lord, that you have planned to send, that you would enable those, Lord, to pray for those who are going, that you would make our prayers dynamic and powerful, that we would intercede on behalf of these people that are suffering, that are needing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your great love. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us into your family. We are such a privileged people, and we love you and give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.